Hello, welcome to Veteran Shrink of Vodka production of Article 15. Here at Article 15, we are attempting to bring both awareness and an end to 22 veterans committing suicide every day. We speak to everyday veterans with everyday issues. Today, we're talking to MM3, Masaro, not Masario, not Masiro, not Marasaro. It's Robert Masaro. Served the United States Navy from 2002 to 2010. Robert's been deployed, served overseas in Japan. Uh, he was deployed to Iraq and was in Fallujah in 2004. Robert, welcome aboard, brother. Thank you. Shipmate. <laughs> uh, All right, so Robert, it's 2002. What made you join the military, man? Well, my dad was, let, let me start from the beginning. I was born at Great Lakes. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds like the most chief shit I've ever heard. I was born in Great Lakes. <laughs> I was born in Great Lakes, and that didn't make my my decision. Well, my my father was in the Navy, and then during high school, I wanted I wanted to get away from him, so I decided to join the Navy because I knew they can go the farthest away. And then I, of course, I went the farthest away, Japan. <laughs> Yeah, man. Uh, so what kind of ship were you out in Japan? I was on uh, an LHD and an LPD. The Amphib crew. Yes, the Gator Navy. So that's uh, for any of those who don't know about Amphibs, if you think about a carrier, it's just smaller than that. It's about as best as an idea as I can give you. It's It's like a carrier, but not. It's half Giant the size loading box. It's half the size of a carrier, and it's made to made to sink. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Japan, man, how was that? That was great. I didn't want to come back, but I had orders to, to go to Virginia. So, what was going on in Virginia? My my last ship, which, which was, was another LHD. Because can't you get know, away from them big boys. Nope. So why don't you go ahead and give us a brief description uh, of your uh, your sea times, I guess. 2002, well, 2003, I should say. I made it over to Japan in the wintertime, which I was not ready for. And right away, we were deployed to Australia. To do some exercises with, with, in Thailand. I'm going to go ahead and not make any comments on that one, but um, I like Thailand. And uh, during that time, I visited uh, Singapore, Australia, Philippines, Korea, South Korea, I should say, Hong Kong, Indonesia. Yeah, I wound up hitting a couple of those spots as well. Indonesia, Australia, Thailand, Fiji, uh, Singapore. Those are, those are some good deployment spots. Yes, Singapore got me in trouble. As most sailors, yes. That's where I made E5, and then I lost it as soon as we left. 
made E5 and then made E3. Yep. <laughs> That's how it goes. I've made E4 so, twice. So you made E4 twice. Uh, nice. Uh, there's there's quite a few Bosom mates I know who's made that quite a few times. Um, you also wound up in Fallujah in 04. How'd that happen? They needed somebody to operate their, their water filtration system. And my chief engineer, because I was qualified, everything already in the plant and also fuel oil water king by, by during that deployment. Uh-huh. I was basically gung-ho at that point. And he thought it would be a good idea to send me in, in, in my first class. But come to find out, we didn't just filter water. We went on patrols with, 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 with the 31st view. Yeah, man. There, there ain't no such thing as a free ride, homeboy. Nope. <laughs> was, so like, yeah. was that the Ropu you guys were working? Or what, what did you guys have going on? What kind of equipment were you guys working with over there? It was a reverse osmosis. The Ropu. Yep. I wanted the reverse osmosis purifying unit. Yeah, I got you, bro. Yeah, I I had to work on my SKUs trying to figure (laughs) that one out. So, yeah, you got a couple of more stories over there uh, with your – God, you were in for – so it was eight years of active duty. Is that what you were doing? Yep, no shore duty. No shore duty. Who needs it? Nope. Over in Fallujah, I, I, I saw a Marine that I went to high school with. And that was pretty awesome. It was cool at the time. And then uh, when I had to come back to the ship, he came back to the ship with me, but in a pine box. I'm sorry to hear that, man. Yeah, that's that's just one. That's just one that gets me. So that was you guys went to high school together, huh? And that was just northern Illinois area. Well, I went to high school down here in, in Louisiana. Okay, okay, in Louisiana, I got you. And he was a Marine? Yes. You and mind saying his name? That's that's kind of tough right now. It, no, sorry, I, mean, I understand. That's one thing that still gets me. So that happened in Fallujah then? Yes. Yeah. We, we were at, at the base, and his, his unit went out, and they got hit really hard. And then, next thing I know, they're they're pulling me and my first class out to go back to the ship, which is right off the shore, really. Yeah. And uh, we had to help basically carry everybody back on on the LCAX. So you guys, uh, you came back. Did you wind up back in Japan after that, or...? I wound up back in Japan, but on a different ship. Okay, you went to on, another one. Yes, because right. I basically like put, pushed everything down. Said, "Okay, he's gone. Let's just keep moving." Yeah. What did you guys wind up? Uh, so that was in '04. So you still had another uh, six years of your career. Is there anything else going on? Other deployments or anything? Uh, two ships. Three ships were in Japan, and, and two LPDs and an LHD. And then, and then on LPD, a DC-2 Byron. Me, me and him hung out every day and because I, I, cause I went to A school, and he was in A school, too, with me at the same time. We, we hung out in Hong Kong just before this incident happened. And then 
we got underway about a month later. He's hurled over and by the toilet. I'm like, dude, you all right? Turn him around. He's foaming from the mouth. And I'm yelling for for medical and everybody else to get down here. Yeah, but and on the ships, man, you can't hear nothing, man. No. And he just passed away in my arms right there. Man, I'm sorry to hear that, brother. I'm going to find out he, he had a brain aneurysm. I'm sorry to hear that, man. That's, you know, with those ships, man, anywhere trying to talk to somebody in another, just in another space, it, it, it don't even happen. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that was, and, and, was that in like a birthing or something? It was in the birthing. Everybody, most everybody was there. Well, people that weren't on watch, but were there and they couldn't get medical down there in time. We got you. We got, um, Somebody's trying to ask, what ship were you on? The name? Yes. The Essex, the Juno, the Denver, and the Wasp. There you go. For anybody who's asking, have either one of you heard of the steam leak on the USS LaSalle? You know anything about a steam leak on the USS LaSalle? No, I've not heard that. I've not heard that one either. Uh, um, I haven't been on a ship in, in a quite some time the last ship i was on was the john paul uh, no the higgins and that was back in 06 so the rest of my time was boots on ground the last ship i was on was was on a merchant marine when where where i was actually fixing their boiler yeah so um that led you up to about 2010 is that about right that's about right that's about right and then uh Signed that paperwork, got your DD-214, turned in your uh, ID card, grew your hair out, grew a beard, and partied and did drugs and everything, right? That is correct. I, <laughs> I, 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 they, well, they basically got me out on, on a higher tenure because yeah, I wasn't making rank anymore. But then uh, they, they, they gave me $14,000 to get out. I took it. I want $14,000. And I blew it in two weeks in Miami. Well, I mean, Miami, if you're going to be blowing $14,000 somewhere, I mean, that's a pretty good place to do it. And at least you have the experience to to remember, right? Or not remember? <laughs> not really remember. I, I, I was doing everything you possibly could think of down there. So when you kind of woke up from that two-week binger, what was, uh, what was the next step? I traveled up to Jacksonville, Florida, where, where my mom lived. Uh-huh. And I just, everything started coming back because I was there. Nothing's going on. So I started drinking even more than I re- usually did. Yeah. So going out, partying, being back six, seven o'clock in the morning. And my Jeep got repoed because I wasn't making payments. I didn't have a job or anything. And I almost got kicked out of my mom's house for that. But then I found a job in an oil field in Shreveport, Louisiana, of all places. And money was good at the time. Then all the loud noises and everything started getting to me. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine because it sounds probably like a, a main space. And then... All the guys there were doing meth to stay up for a couple of days to get the jobs done. 
Well, yeah, man. You know, if you want to get a job done, man, you got to do a little bit of math. You got to keep it, got to keep it real. And then I, and, and then I started falling into that. Well, you know, it, it happens, man. But, uh, I couldn't imagine then that's a, that's a lot for one person to have to, to take on, you know, you got the weight of the world on your shoulders, just trying to forget everything that was going on. Um, and every little thing in in your day just ticking you and getting to you and nobody to really kind of talk about it. I'm assuming though, how do how do you guys say it? Because I'm going to call it the oil field, but how do they say it down south? Oil field. The oil field. It, well, you got to remember, I'm from from Illinois. I say it differently than everybody else. The Earl Illinois. field. Earl field. And I'm sure that's not like a place you really talk about your feelings. No. There, there, there was a couple guys that, that, that were ex-Marines there, but we didn't really no such thing. <laughs> I know, but uh, we we used to bullshit. We didn't really talk about what was going on, and then I popped for a drug test, and I lost that job. Yeah, and I lost the house that I had up there. I lost basically everything. I was homeless, and then one one of the Marines he 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 found me on on a street one night, and he decided to take me to the VA up there. Okay, which I fought him tooth and nail, like literally, to go there. But uh, I went there, and they put me in like some kind of rehab, and then after that, I. They, they they didn't really have like a real rehab, so they put, so they put me down in Texas in Waco mm-hmm. for like a homeless rehab, and then I was there for a couple of years trying to Waco trying to try, try get my life straight, and then I finally get it straight, and then I somehow decided to just fuck it all up and go out and party again. Now, how old were you when all this was going on? This was around 2013, 2014. I'm 38 now. I'm bad at math. So going on 30, maybe? No. If if that. Yeah. You're, You're talking maybe about 26, 27 years old? Yeah. Okay. And then... I found my found myself homeless in, in Texas again because I decided to fuck everything up. We don't all make the right decisions every time. No. But then one day, well, I had this prepaid phone, like all almost good people do, got government phones. I was mm-hmm. on Facebook of all places, and I started talking to. Somebody I knew from high school, which is now my wife. No kidding. Yeah, she 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 was living up in Chicago, and which was weird because I wouldn't expect her to be up there. Well, yeah, and, you know, Chirac. And then she said that she she goes the conditions of of you moving up here is you're not doing drugs. You're gonna go see somebody to talk to. 
I'm not, I'm not dealing with your shit. Yeah. I said, okay. So I moved up to Chicago and it wasn't easy because I was still having fucking nightmares and shit and fucking yell at her for no fucking reason. But yeah, you know, we lash out and I hate the cliche, you lash out against the ones you love most. What I found is that those who, who really know you try to help you and and you see it as trying to hold you back. Yeah. Or trying to change you or trying to make you into something that you're not. And, um, you know, they just always want the best for you. And, and then, it's it's hard to see it right in the moment. And then the addict, the addict in me was basically saying, oh, hey, I have, I have a beer here and there. I'll be okay. Then one beer turned into like a six pack and then a case. I'm okay after this one beer. You know, what? what's the harm in two beers? Oh, you know what? I'm still pretty straight. What's the wrong with this many beers? And then another beer. You know what? I love this feeling. I want to keep this party going. So I'm going to go find something else. It, it was kind of like in the Navy where, where they tried to send me to alcohol classes because I was drinking from get, getting off at, at, at 3, 4 o'clock in the afternoon and then started drinking until like 6 a.m. and going right back to work. Yeah. I was a functioning alcoholic. So what happened next? Well, then she decided to contact somebody at the VA for me because I wasn't doing it. Yeah. And they outsourced it to the vet center, which is really good people. And they brought me in. They talked to me about everything. And then they brought her in so, 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 that, so they, they, they can explain everything what's going on with me. And we weren't married yet, but it was kind of like marriage counseling where, where, where she would sit in my sessions and actually see what's going on. Now, I've, I've found that <clears throat> those, those counseling sessions with a significant other, be it a wife, a girlfriend, a husband, a boyfriend, something, even a very, very close friend or family member has been one of the most, I guess, a leaving feelings in the world, just somebody else explaining to them what's actually happening. And it's like a weight that's been lifted off, you know, to, to really break it down for them. Barney style that it's not just, he's a dick. I mean, granted I am a dick, but you know, it, it, it's not, it, it is my fault. I'm not going to say, well, it's not my fault. I, I have PTSD. No, it's it's helping them understand that there, there are certain things or certain aspects that I, I don't know how to explain or break down myself and helping my wife understand exactly what's happening with me and that um, giving her the tools to help me get through a, an episode or a triggering point or whatever the hell you want to call it, but giving her the tools to know that this will pass. And this, this, these are some of the things that we can do so that you can, you know, kind of help him get through it. You know, there's one tool that, uh, that they gave her that anytime I start getting anxious and like crowds or anything, she would actually like just give a little tug in my ear and I look and I see it's her. So, so, so I know that I'm okay. Yeah. Holding hands for me. 
She'll, the, the, she'll know that if we're walking through like a big crowded area, if we go to a ball game or something, she just kind of like grabs me by the hand so that I'm right there with her and I can focus more on her and she can lead the way. And, you know, it builds trust as well. Yeah. And also whenever I have my, my nightmares, she, she found a way herself to, 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 to call me by my last name, Masaro. That actually get me to snap out of it. Like, yeah, we we still haven't gotten there yet. I don't I don't know. So I, I I don't know what it is about her yelling my last name. I guess it's used to it. It just snaps me out of it. No, um, I had I, I I wouldn't call it like a PTSD moment. It was like a I don't know what else the hell to call it, but. Um, I was driving down the street in the, so obviously you're familiar with Chicago. I was out way out on the South side around 127th okay. and, uh, I was driving Southbound on, on Kedzie. I was taking my kids one to school. The other two were going to the daycare and I'm driving Southbound and there's an industrial area right there at 127 the Kedzie and out of nowhere. And this was like May or June or something like that. I, I see a Christmas tree, like a weird ass evergreen tree, just on the side of the road, just laying down. Like I said, it's an industrial area and you've been out on security, man. You've been out on patrols. So, you know, you see something like and I drive that road every day. I ain't never seen that thing before. So now my head is on a swivel. I'm in the driver's seat too. So I'm looking all over the place, checking for wiring, checking for a trigger man, checking for anything. And there's nobody around. There's no people around. So I'm like, fuck, 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 fuck. This is, this is not good. We're in a kill zone. And the only thing that got me out of it was the stupid fucking song, Let It Go. My daughter <laughs> was singing it in the background, and I could I could start hearing that in my ear, you know, and it was just like I looked in my rearview mirror and I could see my daughter singing and my two boys were back there. And it was like, OK, um, take a deep breath, man. You're 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 back home. You're home, man. Don't don't let it get to you. The hardest thing that I've I've done was drive a U-Haul from 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 Chicago to New Orleans by myself, but I had my pit bull next to me. Okay. And then I'm driving through all these areas. I have no idea what they are. My head's on a swivel, stopping in traffic, everything. And then, just like you said, you checking for everything, and. He, he he's over in the passenger seat, knocked out, and he somehow he sensed it, and he puts his head on my lap. Yeah, dogs can—they're the damnedest thing, man. I'm still trying to get one. My wife won't let me have a dog. I go <laughs> and buy my own damn house and all this, and I'm a grown ass man, but I can't have a still, fucking dog. Still no dog. <laughs> still no dog, man. I would love a pit bull too. Just a big old goofball. Fucking he North is. American house hippo. That's what I want. <laughs> oh, he is. Especially since that tile floors, he's just sliding everywhere. Yeah, I love pit bulls, man. I can't. I can't get past them. They crack me up, little pities. Even to this day, like my neighbor next to me smokes weed. Uh huh. And even to this day, I have that urge to go out and do something. So now, well, you know, I've. I got another buddy, um, high anxiety, all that stuff. And he, he has to like have a little bit of, 
of weed every once in a while. He does like the little vape pen and yeah. it just kind of, and it's medicinal. It's all medicinal from, um, you know, he's got a 90% rating with the VA and, uh, he, he, he tries to do that and it, it mellows him out. And he's like, this dude is high wire. Like <laughs> go, 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 go. You would think that he is on something, but the man is high on life, loves his life. He does everything to the best of his ability. He is, he stood up in my wedding. We were, we came up on the ship together and he's, he's, we were roommates. I mean, best friends. The only issue is fucker lives in Redondo beach, California. And, uh, you know, it's like, fuck man, I wish you lived closer to me. He's like, I wish you lived closer to me. It's like, if I lived closer to you with the money that I made, I wouldn't be living in the house that I live in now. That, 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 that's, that's the, that's the best thing about being military. You, you make that brotherhood or sisterhood. Cause my best friend, he, he's he's actually from Chicago, and, and, and he's up yeah. there in KC. And and him and I talk, and he's like, "Dude, I, I kind of wish you were up here." I was like, "Dude, I wish you come down here." So uh, you think that maybe, and I know this is uh, could be a dangerous, slippery slope, and all that stuff, but like marijuana, they have certain strands that can you know give you that mellow that me- that mellowness you know what i mean i would try it but i know myself too much that i'll probably want to do something else i, I understand man i remember all through high school uh, one of my best friends when when i was growing up he, he you know we're still in good touch and everything now but he was always a pothead the dude was straight a student all that stuff he's like you know just try it out man it's not gonna hurt you it was like you know what dude i, I know myself and, and I knew myself then when I was 18, I was like, if I start doing this now, I'm going to have no future for me. And luckily I left for the military and when I got out of the military, now I'm a cop. And so it's like, I definitely can't do it. Uh, I, I really wish, you know, um, I really wish I could. And I, I, now that I know that I have a better control over myself, you know, my drinking, I have a better control over it. Um, whatever else that I do, I, I don't really do anything else, but. I guess alcohol is my only thing. I quit smoking. Uh, so, I mean, I know I can quit things. It's just when I was younger, I knew that I had that addictive type of thing going on. Like, if it's something that just does something for me, then I'm going to waste all my money on it. <laughs> but the reason, why, the reason why I, I, I was drinking so much in the military is the, is the buddies passed away, and I was just, like, just drowning everything out. So I was trying to get rid of everything. Well, I didn't I didn't have anything like that. I was just a bosun mate. So we drank a lot. Like a lot, a lot. I remember uh, my first deployment was uh, to the Northern Arabian Gulf, and we did what was called a sea swap. I left the John Paul Jones and went to the Higgins, and we met up with them in UAE. And uh, the Navy put us up in some five-star hotels like fucking idiots. Yeah, I know, right? I- <laughs> what so they sent out probably the worst two groups you could have sent out first uh the first half of it was ops which had deck division in it and engineering i just <laughs> thought to myself who rigged this shit up so we brought we brought a shit ton of beer with us onto the plane so we could just hang out and drink the entire time and we did just that the entire time we were just hanging out in the galley slamming beers i it didn't matter we had two master chiefs at the time on a ddg because one senior made master chief while he was there 
So we're all just drinking beers. I'm hanging out with the Chiefs mess. Like, yeah, <laughs> I'm like 19 years old and stuff like that. Just drinking beers with these grown men on the sh- on a plane flying to the Middle East. Um, we get there, you know, and uh, we go to, I think it was the Sheridan we stayed at. And the very first night we drank them out of alcohol. <laughs> it was engineering and deck division with some guys from ops. And it was... It, it was a shit show. They they had no idea what was on their way. And we, we went down there the very first night we landed and just completely drank them out of alcohol. Yeah, we uh, we went to Dubai and and decided, and decided to give us some time off because we were there for about six months. And and we also needed to do some repairs anyway. Yeah. So It was always a working port for us, which sucked. So... Half of engineering is out partying, <laughs> and of course we get the MPs called on us because we want to start fighting everybody. You guys were at that little bar, weren't you? I forget the name of it though. I don't remember the name of it either, but I know they always had the uh, the, the, the the that group that was always singing. It was like three Asian girls and an Asian guy. <laughs> yeah, it, it 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 must have been the the, the same group that I saw. Yeah, they had Strongbow in there, though. We were drinking Strongbow and all that stuff. Um, I do remember there was one night, because that, that's where, like, all the sailors go. And I don't mean just U.S. Navy sailors. I mean, like, merchant marines were going there and, and, and uh, you know, just whatever other sailors that were out there that, that were just out on ships that were delivering shit, whatever. And uh, one of the dudes got just slammed drunk. And he went up there and he grabbed one of the, the women by her breast she grabbed the microphone holder, the stand, and just cracked that dude right in the face with it. And we're like, oh. And then she came back and just whacked him again with it. That dude went down. He just busted all in his face and everything like that. Nobody got called. We don't have MPs. We have one master at arms. And then the other ones that were the duty master at arms were all just kind of, I don't know, just put it this way. I had a certain... And I can't put his name out there because this could probably get him in trouble. <laughs> but there was a certain second class that I hung out with a lot who was a duty master at arms. And uh, I can neither confirm nor deny that he was at one point my officer of the deck while we were in the yards. And a certain bosun mate second class was possibly our petty officer of the watch. I can neither confirm nor deny. And I might have been the topside rover at that time. In which we cracked because we had the midwatch, cracked a cooler and uh, cooked hot dogs on the heating lamp that we had there, <laughs> and had hot dogs and beers while we stood the quarter deck watch in the shipyards. Uh, it was fantastic. Try cooking spam and 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 uh, and everything you can think of off of a steam pipe. Well, I would assume that'd be, you know, a good idea. You can get a little bit of butter on there first so it doesn't stick to the to the, the pipe. Aluminum foil. Nope, that even better. That'll work. <laughs> be funny what you, it's funny what you're able to do when you need to, but I don't I don't mess with spam. We just buy the hot dogs and we get some spicy brown mustard and we were good to go. Well that's like it for being over in Asia. Spam 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 was big with the Filipinos. That's so gross. I know that's a South Pacific Islander thing. They love their spam and poi. Spam and poi, bro. Yeah, mojalo. 
I mean, a guy I was out in Iraq with. It was a big Hawaiian dude. I've been to Guam, not Hawaii. Well, tomato, tomato. <laughs> so we came back, and you know, you've been you've been sober since, clean and sober. I've been clean, but sober-ish because my wife kind of regulates. I know it sounds kind of weird, but she regulates how much I drink. Cause it's not weird. Knows. It's a team player. It's a buddy, man. Because she knows that if, if I go past a certain point, I'm not coming back. Yeah, no, I hear you, man. I hear you. I, I get that from time to time. And every once in a while, my wife gives me the, hey, you want a Coke? Or yeah. you want a Pepsi? Or you want a, how about a bottle of water? Oh, no, 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 no. I'm good. I'm good. She's like, eh, maybe a bottle of water. <laughs> I've I've gotten shit for, ever since I moved into this house that 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 I just bought, which is by the grace of God that I was actually able to buy a yeah. house finally. I've gotten shit faced one time, and I woke up in in, in, my, in my backyard next to my pool. That's pretty I know, rough. I, I don't know how I got there. It's a um, scary feeling. Yeah. Now you guys got kids. I have one kid from a previous marriage and, and one with her. So you got two kids and, you know, at, at that time you woke up by the pool. I'm assuming you had the two kids. I I, 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 I have the one. My, my, okay. my oldest lives with his mom. I got you. I got you. You know, that, that's a, that's a pretty scary situation. You know, you, you have a child in your house and God forbid, walk out and see daddy drunk on the ground, passed out. Yeah. Just kind of face planet. Yeah. Lord. But no. but the wife decided, uh, woke me up right before she woke up and got me inside. And I can hear her tell her that daddy's taking a shower, but here I'm laid out on, in the tub to trying to get my bearings and everything. Yeah. And, you know, we, we, Everybody has their downspill, man, and it, it, it takes a very strong person to admit that. And it takes an even stronger person to allow somebody else to take that lead for you, you know, to to Jesus take the wheel style, I guess, would be the way to yeah. do it. You, you put a lot of trust in your wife, man, and I could see that. And that's, a, that's, a, that's a great thing. That's a team effort. That's pretty amazing. You know, I, I put so much trust in my wife that. If she was to disappear one day, I'd, I'd probably fall apart. Well, my wife told me one day that uh, just like if, 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 if she decides to go away one day, what the hell would I do? I was like, honestly, I don't know. I'd probably drink myself to death or something. I don't know. You know, and that that's and I've, I've found that um, a lot with the with my military life as well as my, my married life is knowing that I have to find out who I am without everything. Yeah. When you, when you strip it all down, who are you? You know, are you, are you, you know, Rob Massaro, the crazy bearded dude that drinks in his garage alone? <laughs> are you, you know, the, the workaholic? Are you the, the fucking Olympic figure or, diamond plated skater that gets out of every job or works harder to get out of doing the work than actually doing the work. Or, um, 
are you the, you know, just sit in quietness, you know, it, it, it's finding out who you are. And I, I really, I really strike that with a lot of my military followers on, on TikTok is knowing who you are when that uniform comes off. There's a lot of people identify as a military personnel, especially those ones who wind up retiring or doing, you know, eight years. And then yeah. you, all you've ever known is getting up at zero six putting your uniform on, going to grab chow and hit that first watch or standing in formation every morning. You know, you had a purpose. You had a reason to wake up. You you had a reason, you know, um, and this is the same for married people. You are used to a routine. This is your, you wake up, you get your kids off to school. You know, a lot of parents that once their kids start doing their own thing, they kind of lose interest in life. People who retire at a later age, they lose interest in life and they have no purpose anymore. So I make sure my big thing is, you know, I support veterans. that They are my heroes. Um, I go, I'm part of the v, local VFW. Um, I'm very active. I just got voted in as one of their members, a house committee member. I don't even know what the hell that means. But <laughs> I don't know either. Listening and doing, doing this podcast, this is the story of a girl. What's up, guys? Every people on my TikTok, but um, listening to people's stories, people like your story. You know, you're you're not, Mister. I was in the middle of the shit, and there was no. Charlie everywhere. You know, you're not. I was getting blown up here, and we took a mortar around there, and we got this. You're you're, an I don't mean to call it average, but you're you're your average dude who just you had some bad shit that happened around you, man, and you're. You're learning to to cope with this life that you have. That's 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 one thing I wanted to get out is is, is how how I'm dealing with it. It's not all ra- rainbows and unicorns every day. Some sure days I, some days I'll, I'll I'll come out the garage by myself and shoot darts by myself just to get away from everybody, where it's nice and quiet. The quietness and, is so awesome. And then some days I'll, I'll beg, I'll, I was lucky enough to f- find this job where I'm actually working on boilers again. Okay. And I was, uh, some days I'll call my my boss, eight nine o'clock at night, and say, "Hey, you got any jobs going on tonight?" I, and and sometimes he'll say yes, sometimes he'll say no, just to get me out of the house. The just and, and being in, in those boiler rooms bring me back to my navy days. And I, now, does that I, make you feel okay, or is that you know it, kind of a it, trigger point? It makes me feel comfortable because because I know that I'm in control of of, of 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 where I'm at. Now, you used a very very key word right there, control. It, it it's a hard thing to have. You know, um, I'm I'm a police officer outside of here, uh, outside the military, and uh, I found myself when I'm on a scene and I I don't have control of everything, I tend to get angry because I want control. I want control of the chaos. I wanna I wanna control it. Um, you know, especially if you have somebody who's drunk or something like that and disorderly or completely disrespectful and has zero fucks to give. That, that gets on my nerves or you have somebody who's just completely ignorant and doesn't understand what's going on. It's not listening. That's, that's, 
that's an aggravation for me because I'm, I'm here to try and solve a problem. I got called for something and I'm trying to fix it. And, uh, you know, having control over a lot of things in my life, I, I, I make sure I do. So when I let, let go, let the wheel go. And I let my wife take care of things and, and something goes wrong. That's I lose my shit. And she winds up putting me in my place and let me know that it wasn't okay. It, it, it's, it's kind of like, I, I'll use work for an example where they got these older guys that's been so-called engineers for 20 some odd years with these little bitty boilers and and they think they know everything and they start telling me what to do and I I can feel myself getting mad and frustrated. Then somehow some little voice tells me, Hey, this is their plant. They, they know what's going on. You're just here to fix it. One of the guys here on TikTok, blue-eyed grunt, he's a very handsome man. Uh, <laughs> he was saying he had that control issue the other day when he landed in Mexico. And, um, man, I, I'll tell you, you hit a, a nail on the head, I swear to God, whenever I travel. Now, I, I, I'm a professional traveler because of the Navy Reserves. So I know exactly how to get through an airport real fucking quick. I know I want to get there two hours early. I got like, I got my boom, 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 boom. I want this shit done. Right. When I get to the gate and I get stuck in a seat that's further back, I can't get off early. Everybody's like crowded around. And when we land and I just got to get off that plane as fast as possible. And all these people are just kind of like doing their own damn thing. And I'm like, motherfucker, sit down. You're not supposed to be getting, You get some people that try and rush it. And then once you get there and you're trying to find your luggage and like whenever I travel, the first day is just pure pandemonium. But once you hit that middle stride, it's like a deployment, man. It's just like deployment when you it's like the the days are long, but the weeks are short. Funny how that works. Right. But that whole first half of deployment, everybody's trying to find their stride. And get a control of everything. And then it starts coasting. And then you get to that middle or that end. And it starts to get that anxiety build up and getting home. People start losing focus. They get that tunnel vision. And people start fucking up. And you can't control other people and what they're doing. And it drives me absolutely nuts sometimes. I've, I've actually had one of those moments on uh, on deployment where we, were, uh, we came back from uh, – eight-month deployment, I believe, from somewhere, and we were almost back to Japan, and then me, uh, uh, me and this other third class decided, decided st- we stopped in Okinawa to get fuel and, and right before we hit Sasebo. Mm-hmm. So we decided to go out drinking that night. Bad idea. My LT, which is like six foot four, it came down to the boiler room because we had watched that that night too. Decided to come down and, ch- and check on everybody. Him and I were passed out. He picked me up, slammed me against the burner front twice, yelled something I couldn't understand him, and we weren't allowed back into the boiler room until we sobered up. Not a good thing. No. I, you know, I can, I can honestly say I never really had a, 
No, no, I take that back. And it had some alcohol-related incidents. And I think my last one was what scared me the most. We were in uh, Bahrain. And, uh, I, I mean, I was getting shit-faced at the Desert Dome. And um, it was me and another guy were out. And uh, I had first watch. And I showed up. My 5 o'clock was like, it was there. <laughs> and uh, we had this QM1. Uh, he was kind of a dick, but uh, he's like, are you my, you my petty officer of the watch? I'm like, yep. He's like, go shave. Roger that. Go and shave. Get my shotgun. Get up on watch. I'm sorry, man. Sorry I'm late. QM1 lays into me. You're fucking late. I'm like, well, yeah, no shit. You told me to go shave, which is my fault. I should have shaved. I should have gotten up. I shouldn't have been hammered. I, I should have shaved and taken care of my own shit. So he's going to lay into me because he told me to go shave. I'm there and I can feel it all just sitting here. All the alcohol I was drinking. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm writing my logs. I'm passing words and stuff like that. I'm boats, dude. I can, I can handle it. This, I'm E4. <laughs> I just got done. As soon as I put on E4, man, I was, I was in front of the captain an hour later. That's, that's how good of a boatswain mate I am. Never lost rank. I've been to captain's mass three times. Have three Article 15s. Never lost rank once. Had a couple of days on, on restriction, but I was doing okay. Uh, so I'm, I'm passing words and everything. All of a sudden I just kind of, and we had the utilities at the time. So I had my <laughs> utility and I just had my hand. I was like, <laughs> and I threw up and it went all down my sleeve. I'm sitting there like, you know, kind of brushing it off my hand there. And the suppo was right there, the supply officer. And he's like, are you okay? Oh yeah, sir. I feel so much better. And I'm sitting there still writing logs, passing words and doing everything. And he's like, officer of the deck, what's wrong with your petty officer of the watch? And he turns around. He's like, Brazel, what the fuck? And I'm sitting there like, oh, I'm great now. I'm good. I'm No, you're relieved of your duties. Give me your gun. Well, this isn't good. They just got done talking about how they don't want people going out, getting fucked up and not being able to stand their watch. So I give him my shotgun. I'm like, oh, fuck, 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 fuck. I got to figure out something. So I go up to the smoke deck where everybody does their real thinking. And uh, the guy that I went out with last night, he's like, go and see Doc. I'm like, what the fuck is Doc going to do? And all of a sudden, uh, they have a duty section muster on the uh, on the quarter or on the mess decks. On my way down there, my BMC sees me. He's like, what the fuck? You fucked me. Now I'm going to fuck you even harder. I was like, <laughs> This is not good. I get there and it's ops is our uh, section leader and or the command duty officer. And uh, he's like, well, we've already had one related uh, alcohol related incident on board. Uh, don't worry. That person's going to be dealt with. I'm like, oh, shit. So I go back up to the smoke deck and I see uh, Doc Redding. He was uh, HM3 when we when I met him, but he got in trouble and made HN. Uh and I was like, hey, Doc, um, how, how I'm not feeling very. He's like, it was you, wasn't it? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, come on into the office. I'm like, all right. And he's like, so what happened? I was like, I was out drinking, man. And he's like, did you eat anything? I was like, yeah, well, I had A&W. He's like, when did you have A&W? I was like, I don't know, fucking probably about four o'clock. Why? He's like, because Seaman Yant was eating A and W at about three forty-five, and she had food poisoning. 
<laughs> really? I was like, I don't feel hungover. I know when I'm hungover. He's like, I know you know when you're hungover. So you're not feeling hungover? No, I'm not. Th-. And I threw up in his bathroom in, in medical and there was some red in there. And he's like, yeah, you got food and poison. Okay, I'm going to give you an SIQ for the rest of today. And then just check in with me tomorrow morning. You'll be good to go. I'm like, Oh, you got lucky. Nice. So I go down to my rack and my LPO is in the same aisle as me in the birthing. And he's like, dude, you're going to get fucked so bad. And he looks like Wayne Brady. So it's hysterical. (laughs) So I'm like, dude, check this out. He's like, I was about to leave for, for, for Liberty, but, uh, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait for BMC to come down here to see this shit. I can't wait. (laughs) <laughs> and so you hear him coming down the fuck boom 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 coming down the ladder way kicks the fucking birthing door open so, where the fuck is Brazil's rat where the fuck is Brazil at <laughs> I hear I hear my LPO with like laughing he's over here chief like, fucking dick and I'm laying I got the curtains closed I got my earphones in I'm watching my fucking trying to watch a movie and all of a sudden my curtains rip open and he's like fuck are you doing dude you better get your fucking ass up there and I just kind of like one of these like <laughs> I just showing the paper and he's like fuck is it oh this is some bullshit <laughs> I'm like shh I close my <laughs> curtains like motherfucker so it's like fuck yeah that that saved my career man and that was it after that nothing man there was you didn't hear a peep from me i finished my time off holy roller i still drank don't get me wrong but well the the last time i got in trouble i how do i put it I went UA in Singapore and also also missed ship's movement. That is not good. No, especially as an engineer too. So the ship had to come back and for something luckily. And I was there on a pier and I, I was still hungover. But the, the MAs came and got me in civilian clothes, straight to see the old man. Yeah. Everybody was waiting for me. And I, I was drunk as hell, and he's doing his little spiel, and everybody else is trying to defend me and stuff. And he goes, I remember as clear as day. So, so what did you get out of, out, of, out of this situation? And here my dumbass says, I got a tattoo. He flipped his fucking lid, dude. <laughs> he, 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 he put me on, on, on 90-90. So I was, I was standing watching in the room and doing, and doing restriction at the same time. Yeah. Oh, man, you know, it... It like I said before, it takes a big man to or a big person to understand their mistakes and to 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 fix them, to work on them, and to allow another human being into those mistakes and allowing them to help you. It's hard. It is not an easy thing to do. It it 
we, we tend to be proud as veterans or military or men or whatever else. It, it, we're very proud people and we, we don't want people's help. We want to, we do the same thing. Any man would say, I'll figure it out. When man says they're going to figure it out and come rain or shine, we're going to figure something out, but to allow somebody else in there. Um, I have somebody who wants to ask a question. Thunder down under. I'll be, uh, thunder down under. Just hit the little, uh, little question mark here. Hit that and then ask. Uh, you can ask the question and I'll ask it to, for him. I, I see all you guys coming in. Goon, all you guys. I appreciate you guys joining me on TikTok uh, live. We are talking with Rob Massaro. He is an MM3. What was an MM3? It's you. Oh, to me, a question for me. Whenever you want, you could ask me a question. That's fine. Um, but it, it's it's a big it's, it's a hard thing to trust somebody like that. And especially, you know, trusting somebody who's not military. And I don't mean like I can't trust anybody, but that trust that you didn't go through anything with me. You didn't, I, I don't know you like that. You know, I, I can, I can meet a veteran tomorrow and I'll be standing up in their wedding a week later or something like that. You know, it's like, we, we have that unspoken brotherhood bond that, we know we we already know it, it it's we, we're part of something different but to to allow somebody such as your wife into your life man that that's a big deal and that says a lot about you changing and and becoming a better person like like one of my, one of my really good friends here he, he 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 he's ex air force okay and that's not really military but all right yeah i know but uh when we first met, it was this kind of like you just knew that he, that each other had that military background. Yeah. And and to this day, we we're still friends and hang out and stuff. Do bonfires in the back. It 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 it's it's crazy, man. I I my wife she doesn't get it. She still doesn't get it. She's just like, it's just another one of his things. That's who he is. You know, I'll go to the VFW or not even at the VFW. I see somebody with that hat, man, that that Marine hat, that sailor hat, that OIF, Desert yeah. Storm hat, Vietnam hat. You see him, man? I go right up to him. I grab him by the hand and say, thank you. Thank you for your service. And they'll just, you know, thank you for your support. No, brother. Thank you for what you have done for our country. I've, I've stood with you. I, I know what you've been through. And they're just like, then they just open up, start talking about everything. And it, it's, it's, it's hard for us to want to go and listen to another veteran. You know, you don't, you don't get that very often, but once you start doing it, cause I had, I had a friend of mine, uh, we call him Tom, the bomb. Uh, so Tom Peterson, God rest his soul. Um, he was United States Army Vietnam veteran. He uh, also worked for the bomb squad for Chicago PD for fucking a long ass time. So I called him Tom the Bomb, which was funny. Um, I knew him from the bar. That was it. I, I met him in a bar, uh, the bar that I always frequented and everything like that. And he opened up to me, completely opened up. And People who've known him for years, I never knew he was military. I never knew he was in Vietnam. 
I never knew any of this stuff. It, it, the, it's a family, man. The, 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 the best guys that, that I've met were the, the Vietnam era guys. They, I would like different rank in the army. I don't know what, I don't know what you mean by that. U.S. Air Force Department of Transportation. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's that we speak that language, man. You know, if I tell you we're doing a vert rep while we're over in the nag, and you're like, okay. I know exactly what he's saying, but now somebody's like, you were doing a what with a who? Yeah. Like, no, man. Well, I was, I was the one on duty. <laughs> you were on duty. You said duty. <laughs> oh, were you with a bunch of seamen? Like, well, yeah. Like to me, it's, it's, it's a regular term now. Or when you get the other branches, like, haha, I, you got to start off as a bunch of seamen. It's like, oh, I'd rather be a seaman than a bunch of privates, but that's <laughs> Um, um, well, I, I, I actually started out as a fireman, but okay. Okay, you're, you know somebody who's in the Army, and he's going to be coming home in four weeks. How do you help? Um, and how do you help my man coming home from Army four weeks? Just show uh, him thunder, thunder from down under. Helping somebody come home. This is this is actually a really great fucking question. And you're talking to two extremely well-versed people. Um, the best thing you could do is don't let them do anything after 16 years. Don't let them do anything. You have a routine. Keep to your routine. Slowly allow them to take over small things and yes. let them build the routine. And let them work into it. Watch their their drinking. Watch their independence. So we're not used to, us military people, we're not used to being um, allowed to do a lot. We are restricted from a lot of things. So giving somebody an absolute freedom, it um, it's a culture shock, I guess, is the best way to put it. It's like uh, when you move out of mom and dad's house for the first time. And you realize that you didn't know shit. So um, give them small tasks. If, if they're looking to do things, give them a grocery list to go buy groceries. But make sure it's detailed. Otherwise, you're going to allow them free thinking. And that's not good. Um, set up things. Dinner dates. Dinner times. Set a schedule that you have. And have it written down. That helps with a plan of the day is what we call it in the military. So if you're like, I wake up at this hour. I have breakfast at this hour. I have to be to work by this hour. They know that and they can plan around that. And they can start seeing a structure. Keeping a structure for a military personnel getting out of the military helps out a great deal. Because when you just allow them to just kind of float into the gray, we were lost. We, we are honestly not like comprehend. We lose all. We're like children. I guess is the best way to put it. We have no comprehension of time or space. We just. I, I, I was basically lost for about four or five years. Yeah. I and had then, a good year. When I got out of the active duty, man. I was the same way. And then 
once I found my wife now, she, she's, I'm really glad that she's a structured person, but not as structured as we are. Yeah. So she's finally learned to say, hey, breakfast at this time, I'm doing this, 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 this. Everything's at a schedule, which helps me out a lot. Mm-hmm. And then having this routine with, with, with the kid, too, helps out, too. Like, oh, yeah, 7 o'clock, bath time, 8 o'clock, bedtime. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, you just put your kid to sleep. I just put my three kids to sleep. And I know when 7 o'clock hits, my one son's feeding, he has a G-tube. So his, his feeding is going to be ending, which means – about 15 minutes, he's going to need his medication, which has melatonin in it, which means little dude is going to be going to sleep. Yep. He goes to sleep. His twin brother is going to be going to sleep as well. I have another hour with my daughter. So we can hang out, watch a Marvel movie, do whatever. And then she goes to sleep. It It's routine. It's keeping them on a good routine. Um, and if you're able to uh, put a calendar up, so that they're, if they have something that they'd like to do, what do we got? I am one that plan my day. Things have done it help. They plan their day and it helps. Yeah. it It's going to help when he comes home. So when this soldier comes home, keep your routine um, and continue to add in little things and give them chores here and there so that they can start acclimating. Back. Um, I, I don't know what they went through. Good morning, Sarah. Thank you for joining us from Switzerland. Sprechen Sie Deutsch. Um, yeah, I'm international, bro. Just so you know, I've been yeah. my podcast have been played in India, in the Norwegian area, as well as a couple of other countries in Europe. So you're going to be heard internationally. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Um, keep with the scheduling. The structure helps. Thank you, Sarah. Appreciate the rose. Uh, but the structure does help. Yes, I do. <laughs> um, so if, you know, we're, we're looking at this huge drawdown that's going to be happening. Nobody else knows about this. No civilians know about this. But they're talking about closing Afghanistan finally, finally. At, on 9-11, which yeah. you and I both know. But they're going to do another drawdown. It, it seems, and I don't mean to play politics here. Whenever there's a democratic president, there seems to be a military drawdown, um, kind of closing it up. And with that, there's going to be a lot of people getting uh, performed to serve. We call the PTS in the Navy. They had different names for it in the Army, the Marine Corps. Um, I don't think any of the Air Force got left go. But th- there's going to be a drawdown. And there's going to be a lot of them coming home with that gray space, as I was calling it. You know, they're just going to be like, all right, I'm just going to go be a person now. What if if you had one shot to reach these guys and you, you have to tell them something like, dude, this worked for me. You need to stick with this. What would that be? That would basically be just a stick with the routine that you know. Like getting getting up at six, I still do it. My my, my internal in, internal clock it gets me up at six, whether I like it or not. 
it's there. And then keeping that same routine of chow and I don't know, you guys call it bedtime, but but this routines help and then keeping your mind active instead of just sitting around all day doing nothing. I got you. So that that you know, I always push routine. I like my routine. I I used to be a little bit better about it with the exercise and then you know it's just not there anymore, man. My chest fell, don't worry. <laughs> but having having that routine is probably one of the greatest things. And um, you know, if we I, I've seen with people who are retiring, you know, they had their routine. There was a reason that they woke up in the morning. They got up to go to work and then they retire from work. Well, why am I gonna wake up at five thirty in the morning for breakfast? I don't need to be up that early. They start sleeping more. They start having that losing that will to live. And then just kind of slowly just fades out, man. So I knew military it. brothers and sisters, you know, keep find something, find your purpose, find that new purpose. They are going to be doing this drawdown. I don't give a shit what anybody says. They'll draw it down whether they're closing up Afghanistan or not. They did it to Iraq and we're back there yeah. again. But, you know, find find your purpose. And one of the greatest purposes that I have found, I think that's a word purposes for purposes. It, 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 it could be a word. I corrected it. Anyways, um, one of the greatest purposes I have found for myself was helping other veterans and talking to veterans. Whether you go down to a local VFW and you play bartender or the American Legion and just talk to people there, donate your time at the VA, uh, the VA you know, they need good people there, um, you know. I, I, I've walked into the Jesse Brown and just seen just veterans upon veterans just sitting there and waiting for something, whatever it might have been, whether it was prescriptions, uh, to see a therapist, to to see a doctor, to see whatever. They're just sitting there. You go in there, man, and just listen to some of these people and and just be be present for them, and you could feel that in your in your soul that you're changing somebody's life and doing something different. And the thing is, it's, it's a lot of these older veterans that, that need that. Yeah. Yeah. You ain't lying, man. You are not lying. Um, I don't know if you guys have had a chance. You listen to the John Forsyth um, podcast that I did. He was a combat uh, Vietnam combat veteran. For, uh, he was in the United States army, uh, purple heart, um, he came back and 20 years later, he wound up having a really bad PTSD moment. Um, and I met him through the VFW and he's, he's been like a big brother to me and he's just a good man. And it, it, well, like we were saying, man, any, any veteran, it doesn't make a difference. You guys speak the same language. This guy is a Vietnam veteran and him and I together are spearheading this, uh, this warriors walk that we do. We, uh, we're, doing a ruck march him and i spearheaded it last year and uh, we wound up raising fifteen thousand dollars for a non-for-profit organization called the headstrong project which is a non-for-profit organization out of new york which gets post 9 11 veterans mental health at no cost to the veteran or their family and they also get counseling for the veterans family their spouse and children and everything like that so it was pretty amazing we found out that for fifteen thousand dollars we were able to get um the veterans uh three three 
veteran families mental health for an entire year. So well, we were pretty good. excited about it. Yeah, we were pretty excited about it, man. So we're, we're hoping to go 20,000 or even higher. Uh, obviously, COVID kind of held us up last year. But yeah, uh, do, you, do you support any uh, non-for-profits or do you got any type of things that, you know, that you know that you'd like to push? Well, down here where, where, where I'm at, I'm outside of New Orleans, they, they don't have anything really. Really? That, that's that's yeah. harsh. Man. That That's something because I've known a couple of people from New Orleans. Not New Orleans, uh, but from Louisiana, uh, backwoods area, um, you know that I know they could definitely use that. A uh, couple of LSU fans, of fucking weirdos. Yeah, I'm I'm not an LSU fan. I'm sorry. You don't you don't say like roll tide or anything like that, do you? From Illinois, I'm originally from Illinois. Come on. Yeah, there's no really good football teams up here. <laughs> I still like my line. I'm sorry. Oh, line. But uh, all right, man, I appreciate you coming on board, man. Tell them your stories, dude. I, I know they're not easy, uh, but here I'm trying to normalize people being able to be open and talk about some of these issues as I have nobody following me on TikTok right at the moment. <laughs> Everybody like, fuck this shit. I'm leaving. <laughs> but Rob. God bless you, man. God bless you and your family. Please stay the path, brother. Keep the routine. I'm proud of you, man. Staying, staying clean, man. Uh, Thank you. Stay the path, man. And uh, one of these days, man, maybe you make it back up to Illinois. You let me know. It it it, it would be nice. Uh, 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 I don't know about all that. I kind of. I know. I'm weird. I I kind of miss the place, you know. Breaded steak sandwiches and good pizza. Yeah. Yeah, buddy. But man, you make it back up to Illinois. You hit me up, okay, brother? No problem. All right, man. You take it easy. You too.